Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is happening, New York Rangers fans, and welcome to episode 109 of the New Ice City Podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercagliano of the USA Today Network, and man, what a turn of events it's been since the last time we spoke. A lot to get into on this week's episode, a whole different vibe around the team compared to where we were just five short days ago. But first, before we get into all that, I want to start by mentioning and thanking the person who submitted this week's intro track, Sergio Napolitano, who was one of the final people to reach out and give us a new track for us to listen to, a new track for us to consider. I feel like I got to do the thing with my hands when I say Sergio's last name. Definitely makes me want to break out the Italian accent. Sergio, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate you and really appreciate everybody who's participated in this run of intro tracks that we've had in the last couple of months. It's really been cool for me, and I hope exciting for you guys to kind of anticipate and hear these new ones each week. And now we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty. I think we only have two more to get to after Sergio. So for this week's episode... Besides Sergio chipping in with the intro track, it's just going to be you and I. I had entertained the idea of a few different guests, but also didn't really know exactly where the series was going to be at this point. We're, we're right smack in the middle of things. So I just want to dissect it. I want to dive in. I want to give you guys all my thoughts. And then, of course, I'll get to the questions that you guys submitted this week. And, and next week, I'm sure we'll have some kind of a guest, whether it's to look ahead to the next series or... I'm sure a lot of you are hoping it won't be to recap what went wrong and close out the season. So definitely a lot of stuff we'll get to next week, but a lot that needs to happen between now and then. This week's episode is going to have a much different tone from last week. Just think about where we were when we released the previous episode. At the time, the Rangers being up 2 to nothing in this series, having pretty much dominated both of the first two games that happened in New Jersey, winning each of those games, game one and game two of the series, by identical five-to-one margins. The Rangers come home. They're feeling really good about themselves. The fans are ravenous. The fans are excited. The fans are so ramped up to welcome them back to Madison Square Garden. Pretty much gave them a hero's welcome to start game three. The building was absolutely buzzing. John Brancy, who's become the national anthem singer for the Rangers at these home games. That dude's voice is incredible. One of the most powerful versions of the anthem that I've heard and definitely gets the building going, definitely gets the building fired up. So quick shout out to him. And the place is rocking. They were ready. And it felt like 
this could be shaping up to be a short series. You guys heard the conversation that I had with Steve Valaket last week. Both of us were feeling like the Devils looked outmatched and the Rangers just looked like the more poised team, the more experienced team, the deeper team, the team that was just ready for this moment. But while we're definitely going to knock the Rangers for some of the things that haven't gone well for them in the last couple games, now that they dropped games three and games four, we also have to give the Devils credit for responding. When a lot of people were burying them, they didn't fold. They didn't hang their heads. They came back and they made the proper adjustments and they've proven that they are a team to be reckoned with. And now all of a sudden we have a series on our hands. Now, game three, Gerard Gallant called it a coin toss and I agree with him. I don't think the Rangers were quite as good as they were in the first two games, certainly not offensively as far as what they were generating and the way that they were connecting on their passes. A lot of the guys said after the game they didn't feel quite as crisp in that game three, but it was still a pretty well-played game by the Rangers. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. Defensively, they were still really good. Igor Shosturkin was once again really good in that game, and they gave themselves a chance. It was a 1-1 game at the end of regulation. They went into overtime, and Dougie Hamilton ultimately nets what really was just an absolutely perfectly placed shot, top shelf past Igor, really the only spot that I think he could have beaten him in that situation. And after the game, Hamilton even said to us, listen, it takes perfect shots to beat this guy. We're all trying to figure out how to do it, but for us to convert in those situations, we're going to have to be really precise. And that's exactly what he is. So you kind of have to tip your cap a little bit, at least in my opinion, in that situation. The Devils were a desperate team. Had they gone down 3-0 in that series, they essentially would have been done. And so you had to expect them to have some pushback. They did, but it's not like they ran over the Rangers in that game. Again, especially if you look at some of the analytics and stuff like that, it was pretty much a dead heat that game. So I don't think the Rangers fell flat on their face or really should have been too disappointed with what we saw in game three. Asking for them to sweep a team like the Devils, who we know is a good team, they finished ahead of them in the standings, that would have been a tall order. But what you were expecting, and I'm sure what Rangers fans were hoping for after what happened in game three, is that the Rangers would have come back in game four and reminded everybody, hey, we're the better team and we're going to show it. We took a loss. We're not happy about it. And now we're going to come back and give it to you in game four. That's not what happened. Game four was by far the worst performance of this series so far for the Rangers. Now, look, once again, they didn't give up a whole lot. They they gave up three goals for the game. One of them was an empty netter. But as far as the scoring chances and the quality of the scoring chances, I didn't think that it, the Devils were peppering them. The Rangers only gave up 23 shots in that game. But offensively, they've really gone into the tank. They have not been able to get much going against the Devils who have really upped their efforts and their intensity when it comes to their forecheck, when it comes to clogging up the neutral zone, when it comes to not allowing the Rangers to get set up and have extended possessions in the offensive zone. The Rangers really have not had a whole lot of long possessions in the last two games and especially in game four on Monday night, but what was even more alarming and what was 
certainly the point of emphasis from Gerard Gallant after the game was what he called a lack of effort, a lack of compete, a lack of battling. Now, we know that there have been occasions, not a whole lot, but there have been instances when Gallant calls out his team in this fashion. And he uses some choice words that I think are meant to get under his player's skin. He referred to them as lazy. He said they didn't show up. That's not saying, oh, we could have played better, but it was a good game. That is really trying to send a message to the group and resonate in the locker room that you guys got to do better than that. And so he didn't pull any punches after the game on Monday night and seems to be telling his team, this is not good enough. I want to see more effort out of you guys. And obviously, he's hoping that that will result in a highly motivated, incredibly competitive team taking the ice in game five. He decided that that was the moment when they needed a gut check. They needed to be called out. They needed to be held accountable. And they needed to be reminded that if they don't turn things around quickly, they're going to be in trouble in this series. Now, again... The defense has still been solid. They're not giving up a whole lot to the Devils for the whole series. They've only given up three goals at five on five. Igor is still Igor. I think he's largely been really good in this series. But the issue, when you're dissecting it and breaking it down from just a strictly hockey standpoint, what's happening on the ice, the offense is not there for the Rangers. They've only scored twice in the past two games. Their power play where it was completely on fire in the first two games and Chris Kreider was getting all those net front tips and deflections. They've now gone 0 for 8 in the last two games. I think the Devils' penalty kill has really made some good adjustments. Not only are they clearly taking away Kreider at the net front, but I mentioned that aggressive forecheck and how difficult they're making it for the Rangers to enter the offensive zone cleanly. It seems like the Rangers keep having to reset and reset and reset and try to penetrate the offensive zone, and they're not able to do it cleanly. And then what happens is they're not able to get into their power play structure, and they're not able to generate the kind of looks that they want to generate. And another thing that they're noticeably doing is even when the Rangers do get set up, those shots from the point that... They were getting through traffic, and they were getting toward the net, and then Chris Kreider was able to get his stick on them. I think the Devils are doing a much better job of closing up those passing lanes, and a lot of those shots that they are attempting are getting blocked or getting knocked away and just not getting through to put pressure on the rookie goaltender. I didn't even mention that yet, but oh, by the way, the Devils inserted Akira Schmid, who is a 22-year-old rookie who... It seemed like a panic move to me at the time, and we were talking to Valley about it last week, that Lindy Ruff, the Devils head coach, kept changing the lines and kept trying to do all these different things after game one, and it felt like it was maybe adding to that feeling of panic. But the goalie move worked for him because Schmid has been really good in these two games for the Devils. I mean, he hasn't been tested a ton Again, the Devils have done a much better job defensively, and the Rangers have not been nearly good enough offensively. He only had to face 23 shots on Monday night in Game 4. But the shots that he's seeing, he's stopping. And he is giving up, in my opinion, a lot of rebounds. You don't see him catching a whole lot of pucks cleanly. And the Rangers definitely need to do a better job of getting in position 
to clean up some of those rebounds. The one goal that they scored on Monday night was a result of that. Vincent Trocek was near the net in the slot, able to jump on a rebound off of a shot from Chris Kreider. So that was the only way that the Rangers scored in game four. But I think they need to do a better job of that. And that's been one of these points of emphasis from Gerard Gallant. Whenever they're not scoring, it always comes down to two things for him. Shoot the puck more and create more traffic around the net. And the Rangers haven't been doing a good enough job in either of those areas in the last couple games. But the rookie goalie, give him credit because he admitted he was nervous. He felt jitters, especially going into that first appearance in game three. But he's overcome that and he's been solid for them. And you got to give Ruff some credit too. Vitek Vanacek was the goalie, the clear starter for the Devils throughout this season. Early on in the season, he emerged over Mackenzie Blackwood and was off and running with that job for the rest of the season. And to me, it felt like, man, what what are you doing? What kind of message is this sending to your group when you're taking out this goalie who was the man for you all season after two games? But it lit a fire, and Schmid has been really good. And it's obviously worked out. So you got to give Ruff credit for making that move. And you got to give him credit for some of the adjustments that we're talking about too, especially when it comes to limiting the Rangers offense, both at five on five and on the power play. So the Devils certainly get some credit here, but the Rangers, I know, as they should be, are much more looking inward. And what do they need to do to get back to what we saw in those first two games? And of course, a lot of the finger-pointing is going in the direction of Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad because those are the headliners for this team. There's a lot of stars on this team, but those are the two guys that when the Rangers are scoring and producing the way that they've come accustomed to, those two guys are the driving forces. They were the two guys that had over 90 points this season, the first time the Rangers have had a pair of 90-point scores since the 91-92 season when Brian Leach and Mark Messier did it. Those are the guys that the Rangers rely on to pick up the offensive slack above all else. Adam Fox is obviously in that conversation as well. He started the series really well with six assists in the first two games, hasn't had a whole lot going the last two games. Obviously, Chris Kreider is a key guy for them, and he's been their most consistent source of offense in this series. He had another goal in Game 3, so he's probably the most difficult one to criticize. He's He's been their most consistent producer so far in this series. Patrick Kane has also had his moments, but he's gone quiet the last two games. Vladimir Tarasenko has gone quiet the last two games, but it's always going to start with Zabanajad and Panarin. Panarin is the Rangers' leading scorer for every season since he's been here. He's their highest-paid player. And Zabanajad was the team MVP this year, their number one center, in my opinion, their most important skater in front of Igor Shosturkin. So those two guys are always going to be where the criticism starts in these situations, and neither one of them have scored a goal so far. They each have a pair of assists, but... That's basically a half point per game for each player with neither one of them finding the back of the net. And you look at game four, Mika only has one shot on goal in that game. So these are obvious areas of concern. And and we can think back to last year. Early in that series against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round, Zabanajad was being outplayed by Sidney Crosby. 
He was not having a good series in the first four games. And Panarin, we know, was disappointed with his playoff performance. Now, Zibanejad bounced back. And in my opinion, in the last 15 or so games of that run that the Rangers had to the Eastern Conference Final, he was the most valuable skater. I keep saying skater because we obviously know that Igor Shosturkin is the most important player on this team, but Zabanajad, I believe is their most valuable skater and he played that role and did it really well for a big portion of that playoff run. He snapped out of it and he talked a lot about that. You guys heard it early in the season and, and we've had conversations about it with him before. He's a guy that felt like he had to learn not to defer not to worry so much about who he was playing against, but make it about himself and make it about taking it to his opponent and playing his game and him being the guy that they have to account for, him being the guy that they have to be aware of. And once he was able to flip that switch in his mind, we saw the kind of production that he had. Mika's got to do that again right now. Panarin, the questions about him, in my opinion, are even louder because he never really found his game fully in the playoffs last year. He told me when I spoke to him about this about a month ago that he lost his confidence last year in the playoffs and he was never able to fully get it back. And we know, I don't want to get into the cliches too much here, but he's a smaller guy. When the physicality ramps up and the time and space gets cut down in the playoffs, those kind of guys have trouble a lot of times. It's something that we saw Jack Hughes have to adjust to early in in the series as well. And for Panarin, the longer that this goes on, the more the questions are going to linger about, is he a playoff-type performer? Is he the kind of guy that can be a key piece on a championship team? Or is he more of a guy who, because of how skilled and dynamic he is, is going to rack up points in the regular season, but isn't quite able to figure out how to duplicate that in a playoff setting. So for him, these next few games are critical. You want to see him respond. His team needs him to step up, and now we're going to see if he's capable of doing it. Now, I don't want to make it all about those two guys because, again, I mentioned a bunch of other names of guys who need to step up, and if any combination of two or three of these guys that we've mentioned – the Fox, the Tarasenko, the Kane, the Kreider, if any combination of those guys step up in the next few games, then it takes some of the pressure off the rest of them. But the Rangers are going to need two or three or four of those guys to have some big moments in these next few games if they're going to survive this series. And again, right now, based on the fact that neither one of them have a goal so far, Zabanajad and Panarin are feeling the most heat. And in the conversation today with Gerard Gallant, he didn't hold back. I've told you guys before that he usually bends over backwards to protect his players when it comes to at least talking about things through the media. But he came out and said today, we definitely need more out of them. Now, he started saying that, and then he quickly changed course and said it's not just them, it's also the entire top six, and he's right about that. But clearly, he feels like he wants more out of Panarin and Zibanejad in particular, and He has not really been shielding them from that criticism so much. He's been saying, we need more out of them. They've got to be more productive. The quote today was, in this business, as we all know, it's not what you've done yesterday. It's what you're going to do in the next game, and that's how you've got to be. They've got to be a lot better. So 
That is what the coach is saying, and that's what we're seeing as well. So those two guys definitely ones to keep an eye on in the next game, game five, and moving forward. Gallant made some slight tweaks to the top six. He pretty much swapped the centers. He moved Zabanajad in between Panarin and Tarasenko, and he moved Trocek in between Kreider and Kane. The Trocek line ends up scoring the only goal that the Rangers got in game four, but overall, you didn't see a big spark to come out of those moves, and Gerard Glantz said that as well. We asked him today if he liked anything that he saw once he made those changes, and he said, not really. So not exactly a ringing endorsement from him. He did point out the kid line. He said that he thought they were the only line that really played hard throughout the game, and I agreed with that. They were the most noticeable to me. They definitely were able to generate some of those offensive possessions that it seemed like the rest of the team was struggling to generate. But even those guys, the only goal that they've scored was Kako at the end of game two. So the kid line has had flashes, and they're certainly, I think, doing more of the type of things that Gallant wants to see his guys do. But you'd like to see them put the puck in the back of the net a little bit more as well. And they were on the ice for that first goal that the Devils scored, the Jack Hughes breakaway early in the game. They were on the ice for nine shots against, and they only generated five of their own. So it's not like they were dominating the run of play either. Everybody pretty much from top to bottom for the Rangers needs to step up right now, and and that's the situation they're in. The other question is going to be the power play. Are they going to make any changes there? As far as personnel, Gerard Gallant said no. He's going to keep that top unit with Zabanajad, Kreider, Kane, Fox, and Panarin. But what I followed up and asked him about was, are you going to move Zabanajad back into that left circle spot where he's had so much success? He was tied for third in the league this year with 20 power play goals. We know a whole lot of those came on those one-timers from the left circle. And Gallant admitted that he would like to get him back into that spot more, but he said he's not going to commit to that being the permanent setup. He said he wants those guys to have the freedom to, he called them rovers, to essentially move around and freelance and find openings and swap spots within the course of a power play. So Mika has almost exclusively played in that bumper role so far in this series. And again, the first two games, it worked. So it's hard to throw up your hands and say that what they've been doing is completely asinine because it worked really well for them in the first two games. But since the Devils have taken away those Kreider net front tips and deflections, the Rangers haven't really had an answer. And you know that the biggest weapon they have on that power play besides Kreider at the net front is Zabanajad for the one-timer. And in my opinion, I think they need to try to get that going. And if the defense starts shifting toward that, then hopefully that will open things back up for Kreider or open things up for Panarin or Kane or whoever it might be. They have so many weapons on that power play. But you do feel like Mika needs to get back to where he's most comfortable. And he's told us before that that is where he is most comfortable. That is his preferred spot. So my gut is you're going to see the power play look more like that with Mika going back into that left circle for game five. But we'll find out tomorrow, Wednesday's practice, for sure what Gallant's thinking with the power play and what those top six or 
any of the lines are going to look like. I, I don't think he's going to break up the kid line would be my my best guess at this moment. But I'm curious what he's going to do with the top six. Will he go back to the lines that worked well for him in games one and game two? Or is he going to try something a little bit different there? Again, we'll find out at Wednesday's practice. So with all that being said, I'd like to make this clear before we get into the final segment with the Twitter questions. I still firmly believe the Rangers can pull this off. My pick before the series was Rangers at seven. I kind of last week was saying, oh, maybe I should have picked it in fewer games, but I'm feeling maybe like, okay, originally I had it right at this point. And I still do have confidence that the Rangers can bounce back here. It's not like they've been getting blown out of the water in these games. Again, you got to give the Devils credit for making adjustments and showing that they're not just a run and gun team. They can win these low event style of games. And I think that's really an important thing that they've proven not only to themselves, but to the rest of the league in these last two wins. But now we have to see if the Rangers can counter and it's going to be interesting to see how Gerard Gallant's strategy plays out because it doesn't sound like he is going to make a whole lot of changes as far as the X's and O's or the way that he deploys things. He might tweak the top six a little bit. He might move Mika back into the left circle on the power play. But the principles of his system, an aggressive forecheck, creating traffic around the net, being a hardworking team that that wins those individual one-on-one battles, it's all cliche hockey stuff. It sounds like you're oversimplifying. It's very basic stuff. But that is the coach that the Rangers have in Gerard Gallant, and that philosophy has largely worked for the Rangers. He's constantly reminding them of these same principles. Another one of them is protecting the puck. We always hear about puck management, not having those sloppy, risky passes through the neutral zone that can lead to those turnovers to get the other team going on an odd man rush the other way. He wants his team to play within that system, to to go north-south, to keep things simple in a lot of situations, and then pick your spots where maybe you're going to take a risk. Maybe you're going to try to let that skill come out. But do it when the opportunity presents itself. Don't force it. So those are the things he's going to continue harping on them. I I don't see a big changing of the course here as far as the system goes or the hockey strategy goes. His strategy in this situation, and it's a strategy that he's employed before, is He's calling out his team to give more effort, win more battles, be more competitive. And quite frankly, you have to give him credit in the past because when he's picked his spots to do that, his team has usually come back and responded well to it. Will he be able to pull another trick out of his sleeve here? Will that strategy going back to it work here? We're about to find out, but you can't discount that you've seen them overcome adversity countless times in the last two years. You also can't just assume it's going to happen because it's happened in the past. They have to go out and make it happen. But that knowledge of knowing that when things aren't going your way, when you have these down periods, that your team has it in them, they have that it factor where they bounce back, that has to give you as fans and I'm sure give the players in the locker room some confidence that it's not the end of the world right now. The series is 2-2. 
you had a chance to put a stranglehold on it and you didn't, but you've been in this position before. The Rangers have played a handful of very close, very crazy, emotional roller coaster series in the playoffs in the last two years, and they never seem to lose their cool. So they have that in their back pocket, and now we're going to find out if they can pull this off again. Saying game five is critical is probably putting it mildly. The teams that have won game five in NHL history to go up three to two have won that series almost 80% of the time. So this is a huge, huge game coming up on Thursday at Prudential Center. That's not to say that if the Rangers lose it, they're out of it, because again, we've seen them pull off these crazy comebacks. We saw them go down three to one against the Penguins last year and rally to win three games in a row and take that series. But there's a lot of eggs in this game five basket right now. Gerard Gallant called on his team to show better effort, and and now we're going to find out if they're going to do that in this game. I'm sure it's a nerve-wracking thing for a lot of you who are listening, but it's also, it's fun. It's exciting. These are the playoffs. It would be a heck of a story if the Rangers just battered every team in front of them and went through, you know, winning all these series in four or five games. And I'm sure that there were dreams that a lot of you were having of that happening after what we saw in the first two games. It certainly looked like it was heading in that direction. But this is a team that likes to do things the hard way. And now we're going to see if they can pull it off again and, and, and give us some more exciting hockey to finish out this series. So with that, I'm going to transition into this week's segment of questions and we'll see what you guys got. All right, let's dive right in. And our first question comes from Thomas Catapano, who wrote, after all the trades and sacrifices that we made to build this team, how are players lacking effort and energy even being a thing in the playoffs? See, Thomas, I don't want to overreact too much to one game. And I also want to be a little careful about outwardly questioning effort. It's not that I don't think the Rangers were lacking in certain areas in game four. Obviously, they were. But I don't think it's about not caring or not having the want or desire to do well in those games. I just think there's going to be certain nights where it's not your night for a variety of reasons. But what I do think in the case of the Rangers and the team that they've assembled, a lot of the things that I think you're probably talking about and that Gerard Gallant was talking about after the game have to do with, you know, he uses the word battle. The Rangers don't have a group of players who are going to be throwing their bodies around and hitting guys left and right and doing those things that I think outwardly make it appear like, oh, they're playing really hard. Look at all the hits they're throwing or or all that kind of stuff. They have a lot of skilled guys who that's not the style that they play. And so I think that might at times make it look like the effort isn't there And in reality, it's just the other aspects of their game aren't clicking. They're not stringing together passes. They're not scoring. They're not doing a lot of these other things that 
when that's happening and they're rolling, then you think it looks like they're playing great. But I don't think that it's necessarily that this team is is not giving their all or anything like that. I don't think they necessarily mailed it in in that game. I just think they had a bad night and it snowballed. And this is not built quite the way that they were last year when they were a little bit heavier, a little bit of a more physical team. This team relies more on skill. It's got more guys who, whether it's Panarin or Kane or Fox or even Heedle, guys like that. And even in Fox's case, I'll say this. He might be playing a more physical brand of hockey than I think I've ever seen him play. I've definitely noticed more hits from him than I have at any previous point in his career. But I just hope that people aren't distorting or mixing up too much the difference between these two things. The the Rangers last night weren't executing well. They were not playing the type of style that made them successful in the first couple games, and that led to a lack of offense, and that led to what looked like a lifeless performance from them. But if the insinuation here is that that they don't care, well, I'm not entirely buying that. What I've sensed in the locker room is that they do care and that they're very frustrated and that they have a fierce determination to live up to the hype and fulfill their promise and take a step further than what they did last year. Especially, I can give you guys a side note, I'm working on a story right now about Chris Kreider and how intensely focused, even more so than usual, He has been, in the last week, almost robotic. You guys have probably seen some of the tweets and some of the quotes that I put out there where any time that he's asked about any individual accomplishment or breaking the franchise record in goals or even basking in the moment a little bit after a win, he's always turning the page to the next thing. And that, in my opinion, has had a trickle-down effect in the locker room. I sense a lot of selflessness, a lot of wanting and desiring to sacrifice and do the right thing for the team to accomplish its goal this season. So I I do not think that that is a problem in the locker room right now. I just think that you've got a lot of guys who, over the course of their careers, have been the man on whichever team they might play with. They're the skilled guy who gets to dance around the perimeter or who gets a lot of the glory, who who gets to rack up a lot of the points. And because they've assembled so many of those type of guys, they need some of them to buy a little bit more into playing their roles and doing some of the dirty work. And when they're not all on the same page or they lose sight of that a little bit within a game, I think that can come across as that lack of effort that you're touching on Thomas and that Gerard Gallant was talking about after the game. But I I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that they necessarily mailed it in or didn't care about the result or threw the game away on Monday night. I just think that they were playing a certain way that was working. The Devils have now forced them to adjust, and Game 4 was a clear instance of the Rangers being too slow 
to make those adjustments and maybe getting a little thick-headed. Mika Zibanejad said after the game, almost overworking in, cer- in certain situations, trying to make it all happen on one play, almost trying a little bit too hard and, and getting tight. You know, it felt like as that game went on and the scoring wasn't coming and they weren't generating a whole lot that they just seemed to be getting to them a little bit. It seemed to make them less confident in themselves. And again, I think that all comes across as lack of effort and that sort of thing. But the vibes I'm getting in the locker room in the last week are intense focus and a whole lot of caring about wanting to do the best that they can in these playoffs. I'm sure you could say that about any team in the league, but there's a certain hunger that I sense with this group, especially some of the veterans, the guys like Kreider and Zabanajad, who have had a taste of a little bit of playoff success and know that their time in the league is not unlimited and they want to make the most of the opportunity that they have right now. And, and I think that there certainly is a lot of of that kind of talk in the locker room right now. I think there's a lot of guys who feel like they want to pour everything they can into these moments to make the most out of it, and we'll see how they respond. It was a bad performance in Game 4. I'm certainly not excusing it, but the whole, hey, they didn't show up, they should be embarrassed, they should be ashamed of themselves. Like I don't think that these guys aren't feeling any of those emotions right now. They absolutely are, but... It's not for them mailing it in or them not caring. I just don't see it that way. All right, let's get to our next question, which comes from Stiggs underscore SPZ, who wrote, Vince, curious of your thoughts on how to get the top six going at five on five. I think they need to play more physical. I'd love to see Kreider throwing his body around more in game five. Too much firepower not to show up on the stat sheet. Well, this gets back to a little bit of the conversation that we were just having. Are you going to be asking players who traditionally are not the most physical players to get more physical? Is that the answer to the Rangers' problem? I don't necessarily think so. And this also goes back to a conversation that we've had before about how do you define grit? Is grit a matter of crunching people along the boards and intimidating other teams and being the more physical team on the ice? Or is it other aspects of the game? Are there other things that you can do that are quote-unquote gritty but don't necessarily mean you're constantly lighting up the other team? I believe the more important grit that the Rangers need to get back to right now and probably the key to getting their offense going, starts with the forecheck, starts with being that pesky team that's constantly on top of their opponents, that's constantly forcing them to make quick decisions and hopefully make some mistakes when they have the puck. Make it really difficult for them to advance up the ice. That's what we're seeing the Devils doing to the Rangers right now. And I think the Rangers, when you're talking about effort and energy in outwilling their opponent, that's the area where I think that the Rangers need to step up. Their forecheck has been way too spotty so far in this series, and that, I think, is where it starts because when you're forechecking, you're a lot of times reducing the possession time for the other team, meaning getting the puck back in your possession, which then will, in theory, lead to more offense. 
you're also forcing them into mistakes that can give you some odd man rushes. And we know that those are the opportunities that any team needs to thrive off of. I've heard Chris Kreider talk about this before. When you allow opposing defenses to set up in the defensive zone, in their structure, and you're just dancing the puck around the perimeter and trying to find an opening, that's a hard way to generate offense consistently. What you need to generate easy offense is transition opportunities. So that means that your forecheck needs to intercept pucks, get sticks into passing lanes, force turnovers, create takeaways, the kind of things that will then all of a sudden give you a two-on-one or a three-on-two going the other way, and those are the opportunities that are higher percentage. We talked about the rebound stuff as well with some of the opportunities that Schmidt seems to be giving up so far in this series. Those are the type of things that I think the Rangers need to get back more of to get their offense going. I don't think that asking Artemi Panarin or Patrick Kane to go out there and hit more guys is going to open things up for the Rangers. But I think having those guys and everybody else in the lineup get in the face of the opposing team on the forecheck and make it more difficult for the Devils to have the puck on their sticks and hold possession for extended periods of time, I think that is where the Rangers need to get back to. Another thing that they talk a lot about within the locker room, and I've had a couple conversations with Mika Zibanejad about this recently, is finding that balance. And you have to make these decisions in a split second. But finding the balance of when you do have the puck, when is the right time to try for that nifty pass, that cross-ice pass, try to make a tic-tac-toe kind of play happen, let your skill come out, When's the right time to do that? Because you do need to do that at times. The Rangers have assembled all this skill and they can't constantly be telling them to just chip pucks in. But you also need to recognize when it is the right time to just chip a puck and then go and challenge the other team with a strong forecheck and and maybe throw your body at them behind their net and and make them work and, and go and dig those pucks out and hopefully retrieve pucks and create possession that way. So... There's a, there's a balance that I know in the locker room the Rangers are constantly talking about between when do you try to make a play and then when do you just move it forward and take your chances that way. Because when you take risks at the wrong times, that leads to turnovers, and that we know has been an issue for the Rangers. But when you completely take the risk out of your game, then you're neutering some of your top players. So I think that's also a balance that the Rangers are trying to find. They very much found that balance in the first two games. That was maybe the best stretch of hockey that we've seen from them as far as decision-making and deciding when to chip and deciding when to make the pass. But the last couple games, it seems like they've gotten away from that. So for me, the two main things are getting better on the forecheck, being more consistent with the forecheck, and then getting back into that mode that they were in where they're making the right decisions with the puck when they do have it. When can you find guys at backdoor or when can you find guys in a passing situation that the other team might not be defending well or anticipating? And then when do you need to just get the puck in deep to use a cliche, and and go and fight for it and, and try to create some possession for yourself that way. So I think 
those would be two keys, in my opinion, for getting the top six and getting the entire lineup going at five on five. And I, I don't think it's just about being more physical. Now, you could look at the forecheck and say that that's a physical aspect of the game, but it's not just about hitting. Again, we talk about grit, and to me, grit is about a lot more than just throwing your body around. Grit is about doing the things where you have to work really hard. You have to skate hard. It's going to tire you out quicker. You're probably going to need to take shorter shifts. But hounding the opponent, smothering the opponent, making every movement that they make on the ice a little bit more difficult. And I think that's what the Rangers need to focus on to get their offense going and keep smothering the Devils. They've been doing a pretty good job of smothering the Devils, but for them to generate more of their own scoring opportunities. I think those are the things that they need to get back to. All right. Final question comes from Jake Zaretsky, who wrote, would love to see your viewpoint on the adjustments made by the devils in games three and four. Why were they able to change their game plan so effectively? Well, Jake, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about the Rangers needing to do the forechecking and the decision-making with the puck and the making it difficult on the other team to advance, the Devils have been better at that stuff than the Rangers in the last two games. And again, this is a credit to the Devils. We weren't sure if they were capable of playing that kind of style, of being able to adapt their game when the ice gets tighter in the playoffs, and they're showing us that they can. So big-time credit to the Devils. They've drastically cut down on the turnovers that were plaguing them in the first two games. I think they only had seven giveaways, if I remember correctly, in game four. So they're proving that they can make those adjustments. And you're seeing some of their top players make those adjustments on the fly. We mentioned Jack Hughes, this being his first playoff appearance. He's a guy that I think has gotten better with each passing game. Jesper Bratt, is a guy who I think has been much more noticeable with each passing game and is playing really well, especially in the last two at Madison Square Garden. Nico Heischer, these are all guys that we didn't know how they were going to react to this playoff environment, and I've been impressed with more of them than you'd look at on a list of guys that have disappointed. They're still not scoring a whole lot, so you do wonder if this kind of continues, will that work to the Rangers' benefit? But the Devils have shown that they can make adjustments. They've shown that they can play a different style. And I talked about some of the stuff in the beginning of the show, but a lot of the guys on the Rangers were mentioning this in the locker room after game four. Look at the way they're clogging up the neutral zone. Look at the way that they're closing down shot lanes and preventing some of those pucks that were getting through and resulting in the, in the net front tips and deflections that we saw Kreider getting earlier in the series, there's been far fewer of those opportunities for the Rangers, and that's the Devils just being more aggressive and being more committed to closing down those opportunities and closing down those passing lanes. So the Devils certainly have been effective at, at making some of those changes, and we know about the team speed that they have, which I think when they are able to forecheck, that speed really comes into play and is a noticeable factor. So they're buying into these things. It's like kind of this back and forth where the Rangers were doing some of these things really well in the first two games, and we saw how that played out. Now the Devils have gotten better at some of those things and frustrated the Rangers. So it, it's sort of this back and forth, this counterattack, this seesaw of which team 
can do these things better because the winning formula in the playoffs is pretty similar for almost every team. This isn't like top secret stuff. So it's just a matter of which team is going to execute those aspects of the game better, which team is going to be tighter defensively, which team is going to be the better four checking team, which team is going to reduce their turnovers, which team is going to create traffic around the net. All those things. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to keep saying it because I feel like it's all cliche and I feel like it's all repetitive, but whichever team executes better in those areas of the game is typically the team that's going to win. And the Devils have shown that they can step up their game in those areas, and now it's on the Rangers to show that they can get back to doing that as well. So with that, we are going to end this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know your mood is probably going to be much different when you listen to this week as compared to last week's. So <laughs> I hope you guys are hanging in there. Again, it's exciting. I mean, I know you were probably hoping for things to be in a different spot right now, but we essentially have a best of three series going into Thursday's Game 5 in New Jersey. We know we'll also have Game 6 at Madison Square Garden on Saturday, and then, if necessary, Game 7 on Monday back at Prudential Center. So it's going to shape up for a really exciting few days. The Hudson River rivalry, the battle that we were hoping to see between these two young, dynamic teams is starting to materialize, and... That's going to be pretty fun. I'm really excited for it. I hope you guys are as well. I will be back next week once this series has concluded. Whatever happens, we will be back here to talk about it for sure, whether we're looking ahead to the second round or whether we're putting everybody on the couch to have some therapy sessions and talk about the disappointment of the season ending. Either way, I will be here I hope you guys will be here as well. I want to once again say thank you to Sergio for submitting this week's intro track. You're about to hear that one more time on the way out here. A lot more content coming for you guys in the next few days. I had a new story go up on Tuesday with some of my off-day thoughts. Going to cover practice on Wednesday. I have a lot of feedback from you guys on that. And I also have that Kreider feature that I mentioned coming your way. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Until then, hang in there. Be well. Enjoy the playoff hockey, and I will talk to you guys next week. going to run this 
dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.